This is a Barita podcast, which is a medium for information purposes only. This podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. This isn't a research report, nor intended to serve as a basis for making any investment decisions. Contact a licensed investment advisor before making any financial decisions. Let's get into the Barita podcast. At this point, I'll call Jonathan to kind of just walk us through um, his picks as it relates to companies to watch out for a company that he thinks that you know investors could benefit from buying at this point. Okay, thank you. Ava. So first, I, I will um, point out that my first pick is Express Catering. Um, the reason behind this is because um, you know what they do. You know they basically run. <clears throat> Um, sports bars and restaurants at the Sanctuary International Airport in Montego Bay. So because of this, they are actually pinned to um, the performance of um, traffic that passes through that airport and in hand the tourism sector. Um, so first, I'll just go through um, um, their two-year um, financial performance history just to give you a idea of where they're coming from and then I'll touch on where I think they're heading. So looking at the company's last two financial years, we notice a reduction in revenues, um, a decline of 19% and profits declined by 58%. So this was the year ending May 2020. This was when um, COVID-19, the onset of COVID-19 came about. And we would have seen that total passengers accessing the airport during that fiscal year reduced by 19%. So for that year, total passengers was at about 3.5 million compared to 4.7 um, the prior year. So after um, this fiscal year, what followed was a halt to the travel sector. And this was, um, um, this was where after this, the countries um, had a control opening um, to reduce the spread of the virus. So this would have significantly reduced the amount of passengers passing through the airport um, as the tourism and travel was really at a standstill. So for that financial period where Express K-10 was operating for 12 months through the pandemic, they saw a reduction in revenues by 70% and a net loss for the year of 1.7 million USD. So just looking at the company's most recent results, um, first to just bring attention to how much passengers passed through Sanctuary International Airport um, during 2021, we see that there's an uptick to about now 2.6 million so this is up from the 1.6 million um, um, for the prior period last year. Um, so this increase in airport activity can be seen in the company's most recent Q1 results, which ended August 2021, where revenues actually increased over 700%. And the company reported a net profit of 565,000 compared to a net loss of 1 million for the same period last year. So um, if we were to compare their Q1, their most recent Q1, to a Q1 pre-COVID, um, 
we would see that um, the Q1 pre-COVID revenues was at 4 million compared to their most recent of 3.6. Profit um, pre-COVID was 937,000 compared to the 565,000 in their most recent result. So you notice that profit came out at almost double. And this was really due to increase in the cost of sales margin. And this really um, this is because of, you know, the, the supply chain disruptions that PG spoke about earlier, um, causing goods and materials to increase. So that just that covers their financial performance um, um, to know. Okay, okay. So essentially what you're saying to me, Jonathan, is that Express Catering is a company that basically sells um, restaurant-related goods to persons traversing through Samsung's airport. Mm -hmm. So with the onset of the pandemic, the company saw a significant reduction in sales and thereby a significant reduction in profitability. Sorry. So coming out of that now, right, we're in a period where you know persons are traveling more, um, business activity and economic activity has picked up significantly. Uh, PG alluded to this, indicating that hotels and restaurants have been a major growth engine for the economy over the last couple of quarters. And as such, Express Catering Limited has been benefiting from this turnaround of their main industry. Right? True. I like this story. So, Ambre, talk to me, you know, we're looking at companies on the market, we're selecting companies that have potential. Which company are you looking at that you think is? Um, as I mentioned, that um, a company that I've been looking on is Tropical Batteries. You know, I think they have a strong value proposition. I think if you look on it, um, they have about a thousand resellers and five, um, five outlets that they sell from and two distribution centers. Now, when you look on the depth, of their market reach. I mean, they serve about 28,000 customers island-wide. I think that's a company that's, I, I, you know, I always say this, it's far easier to turn around a sea bike than to turn around a big ship. And <laughs> if you look on, if you look on Tropical Battery, if you understand business and appreciate business, you look and see that they're in the infancy stage and they're building on. I mean, just last quarter, you are seeing them building with three um three new subsidiaries, Tropical Finance, Tropical Mobility, and Tropical Energy Limited, where they are trying to because currently 70 around 74% of their um of their revenues from battery sales and they're trying to diversify the revenue streams to be a bit more diverse so as to not be concentrated, revenue concentrated in our specific in the area. And I think if it is that these companies that are aggressive in building what they their business revenue streams as well and as well as looking at the growth that you'd have seen in the last quarter from the results that they have, that they have displayed the revenue has grown like around 45 percent there about if you annualize that you can already see that they are on track to do to beat what they had done um for the last financial year which ended in september 2020 so when you look at that i think there's strong potential for tropical battery that's a strong value proposition um you look on it again, they're the leader within their, within their space, and I always say it's best to buy, best within the industry. So I think Tropical Battery is what I'm looking at. Okay, okay. Um, so the company has a very good 
value proposition. Um, I mean, before we were we were speaking, and, and Peter George indicated that the company has done um, incorporated about four uh, other companies. Could you speak to us about that a bit? Yes. So we have so there were joint ventures that started recently. Um, Invrit, Invrit Limited, over the pronounce it. Um, with CAC, uh, what they're looking to do is to provide commerce, to provide um, renewable energy solutions for commercial customers. Uh, I think it's a novel idea within the space locally. Uh, I think there's room for growth within the space, as you know, persons are looking for cheaper energy sources. And you know, we have always spoken about, um, the national conversation has always been about, we can spur growth to lower energy costs. Uh, so, you know, companies are very excited looking at that. If it is that they can get this right, I think it would be add real value to shareholders as it relates to profitability. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so essentially what you're saying is at present, the company is performing at a level that is on track to beat what they've done in the prior. Yeah. And at the same time, they have what I'd, I'd consider clear opportunities for growth and they're making steps towards getting towards those opportunities for growth yes so let me put things in context so for the last from the audited financials last year that ended in september for the entire year 12 months ending in september they would have done 88 million dollars in profit for a period for that entire period now for the quarter between september to december just q4 I mean, just Q1 for them, but Q4 for us on a macroeconomic scale. They have done $56 million in profit, in net profit. Now, you look on that growth, that's bullish. That's bullish, bullish, bullish. And that when you translate that down to so earnings per share, it was 0.4 compared to 0.02. It was 0.04 compared to 0.02. Now, if you annualize that, 0.04 times 4 is 0.16 okay. compared to 0.07. Okay, so the company is well on track then to outperform their their full year performance. Yeah, they are. They are, and there's some unforeseen act of God, (laughs) (laughs) which I wish not on them. Okay, okay. So this is this is really one to look out for. Demonstrated profitability, um, clear opportunities in terms of growth. I like it. Peter George. Yeah. So before I go into one that I like. Uh, I also wanted to say that we know that ESG flows, which is basically people who take sustainability serious in their investing and they want companies that say have proper corporate governance uh, and actually operate in a way that's beneficial to the environment. I think Tropical, particularly in the new ventures that they're going into, kind of aligns to that goal. And globally, ESG, the amount of money that's going into ESG is is massive. And it's likely to continue as people become even more climate aware. And we would have seen from COP26, which is essentially the United Nations Climate Change Conference, where they would have announced that, okay, we should be working towards standardizing ESG reporting. And so if you were the type of person who cares about the environment, which I hope you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are options here that actually will fulfill your requirements. So now in terms of my pick, uh, I think this is one that I will also 
likes a lot. We don't we don't get married to stocks here, but I'm pretty sure our likes this one. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's, <laughs> it's uh, we cinco, and I think most Jamaicans would know we cinco. Uh, the distributors for Coca Cola, and they have a whole host of beverage products that they produce and distribute. So I kind of like to link my investment like thesis back to the macro and of course we would have noted prior about the tourism sector i mean tourism is hot right now and most investors would have jumped onto stocks with tourism exposure and it also has a lot of room to grow even further given that it's still below pre-pandemic level and we know that we think is strongly attached to the tourism sector and just the general hotel and restaurant industry so they would benefit from the tailwinds that would be generated from increased tourist arrival and as tourism continues to recover even more and then when we kind of look at the macro headwinds really which is we'd have seen where oil prices i believe it was 91 per barrel for w for West Texas, I'm not entirely sure, but it. I know for sure that it hit a hundred at a point. Yes, and it's project and it's projected to hit a hundred again if it's not already at a hundred and remain above a hundred. And when you think about that, the energy costs for say the average Jamaican company is is massive when oil prices increase. So it's not by coincidence that I believe last year when. We think I would have commissioned for an LNG plant where they would have spent initially 500 million and they would have said that, okay, this has a buyback period of three years, which is essentially that the money that they save from energy, the, the, the total amount of that would exceed the initial project costs. And we'd have seen where they would have announced that their energy costs would have falling from 622 million to 342 million recently so they would have benefited already from lng and so it would have kind of insulate them from that macro headwind which is higher energy prices so that's kind of tied in that's the two macro backdrop that kind of tied in to our our liking of Wisinko. but then when we also take a, a micro look at the company we would have seen where Wisinko between the financial years 2019 to 2021 we'd have seen where for instance 2020 where revenues would have been 32.2 billion and this would have fallen in 2021 to 31.8 and you might say okay revenues are falling but over that same period net profit would have actually increased and that's kind of pointing to the operational efficiencies that's been occurring with the company even over the pandemic period and so when you think about it that the revenue growth would have slowed because of course they would have, have they would have had exposure to tourism they would have had exposure to uh schools because for instance they would have distributed distributed products to a lot of the schools so they would have been exposed to some hard hit sectors and revenues would of course decline there were some offsetting factors but for the most part revenues would have declined so for them to grow net profit in that environment kind of speaks to the operational efficiencies of the company itself and this can be seen where 2020 the gross profit margin would have been 34 percent 
And in 2021, this would have increased to 34.9%. And we'd have seen where the operating profit margin also would have grown from 10% to 12%. So it's a company that's fairly efficiently run. And this, I think, is a huge opportunity for investors. Can you think about when the top line growth finally gets added to this operational efficiency that you would have would have seen even stronger net profit growth for the company and on top of this strong possibility of growth as the tourism sector reopens and as Visenko kind of aligns himself more to the export market would have seen where just based on the balance sheet I don't think you can get much more blue chip than Missinko. <laughs> so, <laughs> large cash balances, I believe the cash alone is enough to cover all your current liabilities. Yeah. So, it's a very stable company. And I mean, Ambre would have spoken about Acts of God. I would think that if something apocalyptic was to happen, the first place I'd prefer to be is probably in a Missinko warehouse. Second place is probably with my family. I mean, best case Whoa. scenario. Whoa. Best case scenario, you know, we think a warehouse with my family. <laughs> so it's it's a company that's efficiently run, efficiently capitalized, and will be here for a, quite a long time. And this liquidity liquidity that the company has, even though some people have argued that okay, they're oh, they're holding on to too much cash. I believe last time, the last quarterly which would have released cash was like 37 percent of of as of total assets yeah so people would have said okay they're holding on to too much cash but we see that as an opportunity because we'd have seen where we think has been investing into operational efficiencies and in inclusive of that is they would have had plans for the distribution center in saint thomas and so they're kind of using this cash now as opportunity presents itself and so all these factors make we think to me a, a decent buy and i guess i could summarize the value proposition of we which is a large company well capitalized blue chip stock with also great possibility for growth given the numerous tailwinds that are possibly out there for the stock I like that, and you know, I could I could even add more. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's a really fantastic company, um, and you know, just to just to stay on with Simco just for a little bit, right? Because um, I've been tracking this company for a very long time, and you know, thinking back, one of the major issues that we Simco had in the past was that. They didn't have much of an export market, you know. Yeah. Their their warehouse um, was was designed in such a way that they basically just been um, distributing for the Jamaica market in large part. But recently, you know, the company has been making significant headways into the export market, and I think COVID nineteen was a change, a turning point for them, right? Because they were able to see that having this much exposure just to Jamaica alone can can be crippling in in, 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 in extreme circumstances and COVID-19 was an extreme circumstance. So for the most recent quarter, their export revenue has grown by more than a hundred percent. Yeah. Which just indicates that the company is really making some serious headway 
in the overseas market. So, I mean, to the extent that they continue that, to the extent that they do what you said they'll do in the local market, then the tailwinds, the positives, what we think are astounding, and I think they'll they'll continue to do well. So, I mean, I think that's a that's a great selection, PG. Um, so, at this point, I just want to kind of just throw it over there. Do you guys see any others? Um, well, I'm sure you see, you've seen others, but you know, are are you seeing anything now that you're you know burning to talk about? Any other companies? Um, yeah, I have one. Um, proven. Uh, so Proven um, is an investment company, right? It's incorporated in St. Lucia. The assets and operations of Proven are managed by Proven Management Limited, uh, which is located in Kingston, Jamaica. So the core investments include a portfolio of tradable securities, which include fixed income, securities, equities, mutual funds and structured products. So I'm going to just dive into their most recent uh, results, uh, which is a nine months ending December 2021. So proven reported growth in both its profitability and balance sheet. And this is despite the recent developments we spoke about earlier, the inflation related supply chain disruption. So revenues um, for the period amounted to 28 million USD. So this represented an increase of 49% over the prior year. And this increase was mainly a result of the growth in proven portfolio companies, as well as the recent inclusion of Roberts Manufacturing Company Limited. Profits also increased by 60% in the period at 10 million. Now, um, despite the growth in revenues, uh, we noticed that the, their operating expense margin also increased by 11% to end the period by 88%. So because of this, the company actually um, operating profit declined over the period. So they reported um, 3.5 million compared to the 4.5 million last year. So, um, so we believe this increase in the group's expenses is actually related to the acquisition of Robert's manufacturing and that it should actually normalize um, in the upcoming months. Um, if, if, if you guys disagree with me, you know, okay. <laughs> and we're not working with the audited, so this is just an assumption. No, um, but but I can chime in. I can chime in, right? Um, so in terms of how I see proven, it's an outfit that is very strategic and very nimble, right? And I'll, I'll set a bit of context for that, right? Before COVID was was an issue, I remember quite clearly that Proven decided to sell a large portion of their, their investment in access and it came at a pivotal point um, because the Microcredit Act was being um, amended. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you guys think back um, in terms of, you know, the amounts of, of interest that microfinance and microcredit companies could charge uh, within the marketplace it was significant it was double digit mm -hmm. um, interest rates right so proven would have been benefiting from the lack of an amended microcredit act now once that came in right they positioned out of that investment um, so they made quite a, a bit of money on that right we can go back as well to what they've been doing 
um, on, on, on a regional basis, right? So, I mean, just to, just to bring in, you know, Massey, you know, Massey <laughs> recently listed Massey on the stock exchange and, and Massey has been somewhat restructuring, right? And a part of its restructuring um, required the selling of certain assets that were um, not so much aligned with the company's long-term strategic vision. And in this selling, you know, proven was there. Proven said, okay, you're selling. Um, and they bought Robert's manufacturing. And you indicated earlier on that, you know, that this has been a significant boost for the company's revenue and the company's net profit. I was actually quite shocked to see how much um, Robert's manufacturing um, benefited the company's profitability. And most recently, their positioning in a new company, Fidelity Bank, I believe. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bank. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, I mean, and at the same time, I think the company is trading below book value. I think that's a, that's a common feature of the market now. There are several stocks that are trading far below what they really value. Yeah, but then, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's important that we consider growth. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of growth, proven is is it's it's phenomenal and i think it's it's important that we we bring in jmb at this point right? yeah <laughs> we definitely have to bring in jmb at this point guys right and i think pg can really set the tone for this <laughs> and, and and i want you to speak specifically towards the most recent numbers in that sajikor ah uh, yes oh yes yes <laughs> yes definitely so would have seen where jmb their most recent numbers. I believe it was the recent six months. Oh, it's nine months. It's no, nine months. Yeah, it's nine months. months. And the last quarter would have actually been the best performance ever, I believe. And this would have been without the inclusion of Sajikor, the financial corp. And of course, they would have stated that this would have been due to Sajikor electing to instead submit annual reports instead of the quarterly. And so the data wouldn't have been available. But that's just to say that Sajikori, for example, the last quarter, I believe would have contributed two billion in a share of profit of associates from Sajikori for JMB. Well, in the last the last um, nine months, actually, it would yeah. have been around two billion. Exactly, and we'd have seen where they wouldn't have recorded anything this quarter, and this would have still been one of the most successful quarters. Exactly. So to contextualize that, right, JMB has been performing on a profitability um, basis, right? The company has, has really done extremely well. Now, JMB would have positioned themselves similar to how Proven positioned itself by buying um, just over 20%, I believe, in Sajikor Financial mm-hmm. Company, mm-hmm. right? Through an investment in Alignvest. Um, this was before the pandemic. Now, that investment has a direct addition to the company's income statement in that if if if, if Sajikor does well, JMB records that profit. So yeah. PGA, what you're saying, PG, is that for the most recent quarter in which the company did so well, that profit from Sajikor was not even on their financial statements, correct? You, you sound quite excited. <laughs> but yes, correct. Correct. Um, and and John, what's what's JMB's price to earnings ratio right now? I think six point nine two times. Yeah, I think it was sub seven. Yeah, uh, and as compared to the market average, about sixteen point six nine times. So I mean, so they're well below. So even if we look at 
how proven is trading. The company is priced just above book value. Right, John? Yeah, that's correct. A proven is actually trading at about 1.03 times, and that is compared to the um, financial industry average of 2.0 times. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting point, right? Because we have to take growth into perspective. And if we think about proven right now, if we look at the last numbers, they were very good, the company's growing. And if you think about where the company is headed, we can anticipate even further growth. And I think this is, a, this, is a, this is an important point because despite the growth potential of the company, it is trading just above book value and well below where the, the market participants within its segment are trading. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's really trading at a discount, right? And I think this growth aspect of, of proving is a great segue to really hone in on, on JMB and its performance most recently. So, I mean, PG, give me a bit of context as we to JMB. Okay, so we would have seen JMB's recent quarter where they would have had a profit for the period of roughly 3.3 billion. And to note, this is compared to 1.6 billion in, for the same three quarters last year. So that's December quarter. And most importantly, this is without the share of profits from Sagicore. So they would have stated that Sagicore elected to publish audited annuals instead of quarterly. So the data wouldn't have been included. And that's already JMB, JMB's best quarter. And that's without the inclusion of Sagicore, which in, to put in perspective, it was Sagicore for the nine months would have contributed two billion roughly to JMB's profit line. So that's without the share of Sagicore, uh, JMB would have produced one of the best quarters. Right. So essentially what you're saying to me is they're performing well above where they were performing last year, while at the same time they have not recorded all the profits that, that basically they, they would have um, generated over that period. So to speak. Basically. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, within that context, right, we're seeing positive traje trajectory for, for JMB. We're seeing obvious positive trajectory for proven because proven benefits from JMB, right? So, I mean, from both perspectives, we think both of these companies are really good. But it's important also that we think about how the company is priced. So, I mean, in terms of JMB, What's it trading at, John? B is about 6.72. 6.72. 6 so, I mean, the financial sector, sector is at about um, 16. 16. So, JMB is also very cheaply priced on the market. So, I think that concludes the stocks that, you know, we want to speak about for this segment of the podcast. You've just listened to an episode of the Barita Podcast. The Barita Podcast is available on all Barita's social media platforms. If you'd like to invest with Barita Investments Limited, visit our website at barita.com or contact us at 876-926-2681 to get started.
This podcast is not a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. This isn't a research report, nor intended to serve as a basis for making any investment decisions. Contact a licensed investment advisor before making any financial decisions.